Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, well, today we start a new sermon series. Pastor Aaron is in Florida, and uh, he sent some pictures uh, a couple days ago. I won't show you, but uh, he, he is definitely red. He definitely got a lot of sun. And I've known, of course, my brother all my life. He's older than me. And so he doesn't always set the greatest bar of what I should follow. And sunscreen is one of those. And so um, he, got, he got burnt on the first day. So hopefully the rest of the trip went okay. But I guarantee he's a little uncomfortable, which kind of is like a selfish grin in a way as his brother. But, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't take the, the path of wisdom. So um, that's on him. There you go. All right, but you can pray for him that he is having a good time and it's refreshing time, so. All right. Well, like I said, today we start a, a new sermon series, and it's, uh, it's called Come After Me, and um, we're going to be looking at a familiar text. It's, it's, we find it in uh, Matthew chapter 16, and, um, and so we're going to be heading this all the way up to Easter, and we're going to be kind of breaking it down. And so I want to give you, before we dive into the actual passage that we're going to dive into, which is really verse 24 of Matthew chapter 16, you can go ahead and begin to turn there if you've got your Bibles, or it'll be up on the screen as well. But I want to give you a little context, because I really do think that it helps us understand what we'll be reading in the primary text for us the next three weeks. So in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, he's been, he's been preaching, he's been casting out demons, he's been healing the sick, all this for 15 previous chapters, and he's kind of been doing it throughout the different areas. But chapter 16 marks this really pivotal moment where Jesus, it says, he sets his face toward Jerusalem. And I want to I read this passage of scripture from, uh, from Matthew. It says this, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. We find that in Luke chapter 9, which is actually the parallel gospel story to, to Matthew chapter 16. And so Jesus, I love how the New King, King James Version even says it. It says he steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. Now this is big because what did Jerusalem hold for Jesus? It held a cross. Jesus knew, not, no, no one else really did, but Jesus knew that ultimately in fact, as the New King James, his face toward was the cross. Steadfastly, in fact, as the New King James Version says. And this is big for us because as we read in verse 24 about the cross and denying ourselves, this is the same mindset that we go into just as Jesus steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. Also in, in Matthew chapter 16, we find the Pharisees, oh, those good bunch of guys, again with impure motives, and they're asking and they're demanding Jesus show them a sign. We'll, we'll kind of get to a little bit of that later. And then we find this awesome, like right in the middle of, of chapter 16 of Matthew, we find Peter's profession of faith of who Jesus is. So Jesus has been ministering, and basically he comes in and he says, hey, who, who do people say I am? And so some of them are like, hey, John the Baptist, they're saying you're John the Baptist. Oh, Elijah. And then Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And I love how like Jesus is even like, yes. And this is what Jesus says uh, to Peter. He says this. I got to find it here. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed by man, but by my Father in heaven. So in this moment, Peter's confession, Peter's profession of faith of Jesus was given by God. It was a revelation from God. And we find Peter walking in this heavenly discernment. Oh, man, things are good for Peter, right? 
Well, then what we find is like a few verses later, we find Peter's ill-advised rebuke of Jesus. Well, let me just share something with you. Jesus is never wrong, and so to rebuke Jesus is probably not the wisest of ideas, right? So, so what we find is um, Jesus basically says, hey, I'm, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. We find Peter's rebuke. And in this moment, what we find of Peter is he's walking in a fleshly discernment of what Jesus had said. So in a matter of a few verses, we find this back and forth. Now, discerning between things with heavenly eyes and discerning with fleshly eyes could be a sermon in of itself. But really what I want to draw from Peter's part in this story is that we as believers, even when we're walking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and in step with Jesus, there still is going to be a pool to walk in the flesh, to discern by the flesh that we have to be aware of. And this is what we find in the life of Peter. And that sets us up really for the rest of Matthew chapter 16 and, and what we'll find in this story. And so if you have your scriptures, like I said, on the ESV, uh, and we'll go through 28. And so you can turn there or it'll be up on the screens. And this is from the ESV uh, version. It says this, from that time, Jesus began to describe and be killed and on the third day be raised. And so Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance, or other translations say stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. And then verse 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a profit, profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. I love that. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now that is a power-packed bunch of scripture right there. And we're going to look at verse 24 specifically. I want to look at, in fact, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want to look at, in fact, I want to break this down. I want to look at the very first word. Seems like a pretty meaningless, you know, harmless word. But if actually sets the stage for you and I to make a decision. It really, it sets the stage for your heart to have to respond to this scripture. You see, if is one of those power-packed words because normally, think of it in, in this way. In the English language, if I say, if this happens, then such and such will happen, right? So if actually has terms and conditions that follow it. If has terms and conditions that follow it. Jesus, salvation, actually has terms and conditions. Now, here's the thing. Here's the funny part about being an American, probably being Western culture. We normally don't look at the terms and conditions, right? <laughs> You download an app on your phone, you have to click, I agree to the terms and conditions. You buy a song on iTunes, I have to agree to the terms and conditions. I sign Little Riker up for soccer, I have to agree to the terms and conditions. I never read the terms and conditions. Anybody love reading the terms and conditions? We did have one person say yes in the last service, and so God bless them. He sees them. But we're really like preconditioned not to read those, right? We just scroll down. Check. Okay, sweet, I can use the app. Sweet, I can listen to the song. Sweet, I can, you know, let little Riker play soccer and hopefully not get hurt, right? It's a lot of legal terms that are Latin to me anyway. I'm not going to read it. 
But the reality is, I think many times we treat discipleship in Jesus this way. We want to go straight to the feel-good perks of following Jesus without the daily process of going through the cross and denying ourselves. Because in Luke chapter 9, again, the parallel gospel story of Matthew chapter 16, what it says is, let him take up his cross, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Daily. The gospel of Luke adds the word daily. But even Jesus, man, who's inviting us in with that word if, even Jesus who encompasses perfect love and grace and the invitation, he also invites you and I to count the cost. He invites you and I to take seriously the terms and conditions. See, because in John chapter 6, verse 66, there is this mass exodus of quote-unquote disciples who abandon Jesus. Now, it's not the original 12, but Jesus in that chapter has just laid out like this really hard truth. And he actually says, uh, you, you can have no part of me unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they're like, what? This is too hard. They even say that. This is too hard. And so what it says is that there was a mass exodus. People turned back and they left Jesus because it wasn't seeker sensitive. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't popular. They're like, that's the terms and conditions? Uh, not so sure. And so they walked away. You know, salvation is the wildest paradox, I think, in the universe. Salvation in Christ. Because it is the freest gift you can ever receive, and it will cost you everything. It's true. Salvation is the freest gift that will cost you everything. Whoever wants to find his life must lose it. So this morning, that little word, if, sets the stage for your heart to respond. Sets the stage for you to have to choose and decide. So if anyone, maybe in here, maybe online, simple observation, but probably one that, you know, somebody in here needs to be reminded of. Maybe in here, maybe online, or maybe they'll, they'll listen to it later. Maybe it's for one person. But the reality is the gospel is for everyone. Can I, can I get an Amen. Now, why is that important? Because it's for you out there who think, well, is it for me in my past? Is it for me in my shame? Is it for me in the guilt that I still hold? Yes. Is it for me and my obnoxious neighbor who I really don't love right now? Yes, it is for them. Is it for me and the atheist I work with who really is hardcore about no Jesus? Yes, it's for them. Is it for the person that you think doesn't deserve grace? Yes, it is for them. The gospel is for everyone, period. So the invitation of the if is for everyone to get the opportunity to respond. If anyone would come after me. So this, word, this, this little phrase, come after me, other translations say, if anyone would desire to follow me. This is important, and let me tell you why. There is an intentional pursuit of Jesus. In fact, the, per, the pursuit is a continuation of intentional choices and actions of following Jesus. It's a continuation daily, minute by minute, hour by hour. I'm going to let you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a little, a little snap of, of snapshot of when I lead worship. So I lead worship, I don't know, once, twice a month or so. And I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to be real with you for a minute. When I'm leading worship, I battle the flesh just as much as I'm trying to honor the Lord. And I'll tell you why, because I'm like, oh, okay, that sounded good. Yeah. Well, oh, okay, Jesus. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that bad note, ooh, ooh, bad, what am I doing, what, you know what I mean? And so I'm constantly wanting to be drawn into some other place than actually giving the Lord worship. 
It's an everyday intentional moment by moment when I'm leading worship, or even, I'm just going to even use it as when I'm a dad, and I want to bite my kid's head off because he's not doing what I, what I ask him to do. I have a teenager now, so pray for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it is a moment by moment intentional choice to say, Lord, how can I steward my children towards you? And not walk in the flesh and bite his head off. Because that's really what I want to do. Is he deserving of your grace right now? No. Right? <laughs> it's an everyday daily choice. There is an intentional pursuit of Jesus. It's being intentional with every choice, every decision. And it's funny, when I was preparing this message, I, I was using the word intentional and I, I kind of chuckled. Because I think that in every message, I use the word intentional probably like 10 times. Because <laughs> it's a big deal. To me, it is a big deal. And here's why. If you aren't intentional in your walk with Jesus, your heart will easily get hijacked. I guarantee it. I've been there hundreds, if not thousands of times in my life. Probably, probably more on the thousand sides, tens of thousands probably. And it, my heart gets hijacked. My attention gets hijacked. My affections get hijacked. Dreams, passions, pursuits get hijacked. And it's not because I'm normally pursuing evil things. I'm not going after wicked things. I'm just simply not intentional in my relationship with Jesus. So everything else crowds out Jesus, even the good things. The throne of my life. If this was the throne of my life, everything else is coming. And, and Jesus is like, well, I don't really have much place to sit. Oh, there's the arm bar, Jesus. Oh, okay, well, you know what I mean? I'm just allowing all these other things to fill up the throne in my heart. And by the time I, I realize that Jesus is he's like five rows down. Intentionality. And here's the deal. Every single one of us are disciples of someone or something. Every one of us. Either you're letting the world and its ways disciple you into a watered-down, faithless or faithless-filled salvation, or you're allowing Jesus, who's calling you to go to the cross and to deny yourself. That's the two ways of discipleship. Listen to Jesus' words in, in Matthew chapter 24. This is verses 12 and 13. It says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many, the translation says, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Wow, that's sobering. And before we move on and, and we kind of really focus in on this deny myself for the last few minutes we have, I, I do want to say something about intentionality that I, that I hope you don't perceive. Intentionality is not about a works-based, religious-based mentality. Intentionality is, is left less about your, your actions and more about your heart. Because if Jesus has your heart and surrender, he'll have your actions. Jesus says, if you love me, obey what I command. Love is first, and then you obey out of love because it's not obligation then. You're actually walking as a son of God and not as a slave. Does that make sense? So intentionality is about, about a heart surrendered. So... Let's recap here. If means you have a choice to make. Anyone means the gospel is for everyone. There's an invitation. Would come after me. There's an intentional pursuit of Jesus. He says these words, let him deny himself. Now, Aaron next week is going to get to the part where take up our cross daily, and that's a fun one. Uh, but today, let's, let's camp here at let, let him deny himself just for, for five or so minutes. See, I want to I take a moment and I want to talk about the difference between denying self, which is what Jesus is inviting us into, versus, versus self-denial. Pastor Aaron has shared on this before, um, the, this, this kind of difference in this concept, but I think a refresher course is necessary because of the times we're in. Some crazy times. Now, you don't have to look. And, and a quick side note, I personally believe 
that we are, we are in some crazy times. Now, you don't have to look too far to know that, right? But I think as the church in America, we are going to be facing a greater degree of rejection, persecution, disapproval, unapproval, whatever you want to call it. We're just going to be facing a, a growing resistance to the gospel. I don't have to convince you of that because my Bible says that. But I'm, what I'm saying is that this message of Matthew 16, 24 is something that we, we will be walking in daily, even to a greater degree than, than we've ever experienced. Bottom line is this, casual Christianity, it's seeing its way out the door, and refined by fire Christianity is seeing its way in, and I say praise the Lord. Because you know what, you know what the product of that is? You, you know what the fruit of that is? The fruit of that is a purified bride and unadulterated worship. And what is Jesus coming for? He's coming for a prepared and purified bride. Not a, lax, not a lackadaisical bride, not a lazy bride, but one who's purified. That comes only by fire, by the way. Denial can best be described as behavior modification to achieve a desired goal. We do this all the time. We do this in dieting. We do this in budgeting. We do this in sports and athletics. I don't do this so much in dieting because I don't have a strong perseverance for that. I've tried a day or two, and I feel like, Lord, take me. My time is now. I, I just, I have a love-hate relationship with food. I really do. I'll do this, I guess, so that I will stop doing this. I won't do this. I'll do this, I guess, so that I will become a better fill-in-the-blank, a better athlete. Uh, I'll have a little bit more money in my bank account. It's not a bad thing, by the way. So I will become a better father. I'll become a better husband. I'll become a better Christian. We, we tend to run this route many times as Christians, right? If I do such and such, I will become. How many times did I just mention I? Self-denial is about me, ultimately. It's about my energy, my effort, my strength, my grit, my self-determination. Who really gets the glory in that? I do. I remember being at a, I was at a conference for Methodist pastors. So when I first got into to ministry, oh, 15 years ago or whatever it is now, um, I sat under my dad's leadership. And, um, and so we got invited to this Methodist annual gathering. That's fun times, by the way. Um, and so we were at this big civic center, basically. I think it was a bicentennial center up in, in Salina. And it's kind of funny because me and my brother Aaron and Matt, and there were some other ones, we, we weren't considered clergy because we weren't ordained, and so we were kind of up in the bleachers having our, our middle school fest, right? Like, <laughs> doing everything middle school boys would do, but we were in our 20s, so there you go. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and so they had, you know, all the clergy down there, and they were all nice and, you know, had their ties on and... And I, I remember we were up there, and one session the, the bishop got up, and he got up to speak. And, and he's a nice guy, and I do believe he's a genuine lover of Jesus. But I'll never forget what he said. He, the, he had a question right out of the gate, and, th and this is what he asked. He says, men and women, how do we make better Methodists? How do we make better Methodists? And he was serious. I'm not trying to pick on him. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Methodists. I'm simply saying that just stunk of self-denial. Basically, what he was saying is, how do we follow these practices, these principles, these sets of, of orthodoxy so that we can be known and seen as better Methodists? 
And I was just like, I, I felt myself like throw up a little, spiritually speaking. And so that, what? Like that is really what we're here for. And so that we can be better Methodists and create better Methodists. One of the best examples we see from the Bible is that of the Pharisees. They followed the letter. Self-denial was the litmus test. Then they obeyed all the ceremonial protocols. And so if self-denial was the litmus test, then they would have passed with flying colors. But their hearts were... And he even says, there, there's a portion of scripture where it's, woe to the Pharisees, seven times, woe to the Pharisees. They were literally scholars in the Torah and the Old Testament, and yet they missed every sign that Jesus was the Messiah. They could do self-denial all day long in every practice, every protocol, every ceremonial cleansing, and yet they couldn't deny themselves. You know, the fruit of that was greed, was condemnation, was impure motives, Soured hearts, unforgiveness. I mean, it would, the list goes on and on. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 6, Jesus said this. He says, be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. And it will produce death. And a religious self-denying spirit will follow the rules and look clean on the outside, but will produce death and a stench on the inside. And this is why Jesus called them a whitewashed tomb. He also called them brood of vipers. I think any time Jesus uses that kind of heavy language, we probably need to say, whoa, what's going on here? What's the heart behind why he's saying that? Whitewashed tombs. Get yourself clean right here, but on the inside, it's death and stench. Self-denial starts with doing, trying. Oh, if I could just muster it up a little bit more. And here's the key. Denial of self begins with surrender. See, denial of self is stepping off the throne of your life to let Christ reign over your dreams, your passions, your pursuit, your heart, your wallet, your career, your family, your marriage, your kids, your fill-in-the-blank. It's stepping off the throne of your heart, you stepping off the throne of your heart and letting Christ reign. The Apostle Paul states it this way in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live. I no longer live. Ryan Wallace no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. That's not just a nice saying you slap up on the wall. I had that poster. That is a way of living and actually breathing Self-denial for the Christian means renouncing oneself as a center of existence. <laughs> That's easier said than done because our natural inclination as human beings is to be the center of our universe. And I want to tell you something. I'm not the center of the universe. You're not the center of the universe. You're not even the main character. <laughs> Jesus is. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful for that. But you know what I'm even... I, I, I'm just so thankful that he uses a wretch like me to co-partner in his, in his ministry. Why would he use me? I'm still blown away by that, by the way. In 40 years or 20 years of knowing him, I'm like, I, I wouldn't choose me. That's, that's crazy, Lord, that you would. <laughs> I'm not the main character. Jesus is. He's an experience things, an encounter. Get a co-partner with him. 
And I'm perfectly content with that because I get to see things and experience things and encounter things with him that I could never even dream of. So, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Philippians 3, 7-8, I love this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I count them as garbage. I count them as rubbish. All the status, all the reputation, all the applause of man, I count as rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow. What a powerful statement from Paul. Friends, the way of following Jesus will cost you everything. It's the freest gift in all the world, and it will cost you your life. That's the terms and conditions. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't lay them out. He did. I'm just saying, don't kill the messenger. I want to ask you a few questions. I want you to ponder these things. Be honest with yourself. Because these are some of the terms and conditions. Are you and I willing to forgo status, reputation, the approval of friends or coworkers or even family members to find that Christ is of greater value? To surrender to his plans, his ways, his will, his passions. To be a people refined by Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit and holding steadfast to God's word. Please hear me when I say, I'm not suggesting that we run out into the street and we try to tick off the first person by sharing the gospel and then say, oh, I'm the martyr. See, the world's not going to receive it. What I'm saying is that your life devoted to Jesus will be offensive to somebody. And in fact, probably a whole bunch of somebodies. To a culture that is repulsed more and more and more by the life of Jesus. To a culture that is repulsed by the fact or the, the thought that this can be an authority in somebody's life to a culture that is repulsed by the bride of Christ. Your life will be offensive to someone. By Jesus, the more... Here's the thing, the more you burn for and are consumed by Jesus, the more others will attempt to tame you. Do not give in to burning halfway for Jesus. Yeah, those terms and conditions, man, they're... Oh, whoa, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to swallow, Jesus. But he says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The way of Jesus goes through the cross. It doesn't go around it. And I'm so thankful he didn't go around it, because I have salvation on this side of the cross, because he chose to go to the cross, to step off his throne, take on human flesh, suffer as a man, and suffer he did, live a sinless life. That's the gospel. Go to a cross that was not his own for me that I could find life. If you find yourself settling for the things of this world, repent and ask for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you deny yourself that Christ might fully live in you and through you as the Lord of your life. This is something we contend for every day, church. Contend for it every day. All of hell is against your heart when you pursue Jesus. All of hell comes against for the day that of fear. I say that out of reality. Be of clear and sober mind, Peter says, for the day is drawing near. All of hell is coming for your heart. And guess what? So is all of heaven coming for your heart. Be intentional with your heart. 
probably a month ago. This is going to... Me and my wife were having a conversation. I don't know. It was probably a month ago. This is going to sound really random and weird. Go with me. Me and my wife were having a conversation. We were, we were talking about worship and just, you know, like, man, just, just going, going for Jesus with all that we have. And we still battle in the flesh, and we're not... And we haven't... We haven't mastered it. We never will on this side of eternity. But I'm thankful that God has given us grace to say, man, let's, let's spur each other on. Let's go after it. And uh, I've, been, I've been growing my hair out for the first time ever. And my wife is a stylist, so she's like, you, you grow your hair out. I'm like, ah, I don't really want to, but okay. And so, you know, I've had people ask me, so, hey, your hair's getting long. And I'm like, yeah, it feels like an untamed lion. Like, I mean, like, I'm like, there's a lot going on back here. And uh, it was funny because I just felt in that moment we were having the conversation about, you know, going for it and not being tamed. And I started talking about my hair. Just go with me on this. I just felt like a check in my spirit of the Lord saying, yeah, I don't want a tamed heart. The Lord can tame it in his ways and however he sees fit, but I don't want to be tamed by the world. Now, I may cut my physical hair in two weeks because I'm kind of tired of it. But the prophetic thing is that the Lord says, I want pure, just unbridled worship. Like, like we've been talking about with David the last few weeks. It would be, that would, he would undignify himself as a king and dance because the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to Jerusalem. The presence of God was coming back for Jerusalem. Unbridled worship. That he would receive the highest praise. We sang it, and that's not just a pretty song. It, it really is. It's got a great melody. But the heart of it is, I just want to give you the highest praise, Jesus. Not tamed by the world. The world is going to try to tame you. It will. Even people in the church will try to tame you. And I say sorry on behalf of the church for trying to tame any Christian that wants to be sold out for Jesus. I repent on behalf of the church for that. Here's how I want to close this so is hell. Here's how I want to close this morning. I want, I want each of us to ask Jesus a question. Now we're going to ask Jesus the same question, but I, I just feel the Holy Spirit will minister as he ministers to each heart because you're uniquely made and he knows exactly where you're at. This is going to be a, a, a question of surrender. It's not about asking Jesus what he thinks we need to do or give up or try harder at being a Christian. Denying self starts with surrender, not activity. We're just going to throw up that little white flag of surrender again this morning. We're going to put it up on the flagpole and say, Jesus, we surrender again. So when you ask this question, I want you to listen for a response. I want, I want each of us to have faith that Jesus is going to respond. Amen? Because he's a good God and he loves to respond. So when you pull up that chair and you ask Jesus a question, if I were sitting in a room with, with one of my best friends, Lance Miller, I've known for, he leads the, on the acoustic up there. I've known him for 25 years. If I were sitting with Lance Miller and I said, Lance Miller, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? And he didn't answer me. I'd be like, Lance Miller, I'm in the same room. What are you doing, dude? Like, I'm right here. I just asked you a question. And he still didn't respond. Like, no. Say, Jesus is your friend. Jesus is your Lord. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus wants to talk to you. Expect that Jesus wants to talk to you. So when you ask him a question, listen for his voice. He's speaking. He really is. He's really good at it, too. He's given up his, his word. He's called the word, by the way. He wants to speak. 
And here's just a few instructions when you ask this question. If you don't hear anything or sense anything, keep pressing in. But at the end of the day, if you, if you don't hear anything in this moment, don't feel any guilt or condemnation. We're all trying to recognize what that shepherd's voice sounds like. Some days it's a little bit fine-tuned. I'm like, ooh, is that his? Okay, I missed that one. That's okay. There's grace for that. He knows it. Also, if you, if you sense that you're hearing his voice and you feel condemnation, that's not the voice of Jesus. The scriptures tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Now, he might give you a little rebuke like, like Peter, and that's okay, because this loving kindness leads us to repentance. But just listen, lean in. I believe the Holy Spirit wants, wants to speak. I believe Jesus wants to speak through the Holy Spirit. So here's the question I want you to ask this morning. We're at, we're, we'll end here in a couple minutes. Jesus, am I currently walking in a spirit-filled grace of denying myself? And you could put, Jesus, am I currently walking in a spirit-filled grace of surrender? And then if not, talk to Jesus a little bit more and just, just pray that, that he would give you desire in your heart to know him even more. Just pray, Lord, I desire to know you more. I desire to come after you, to deny myself and take up my cross. Help me, Jesus. Help me in my weakness. Help me in my frailty. Help, help me. Give me courage, Jesus, to contend every day. So Angie, if you can go back to that first question. Just this, hopefully this will spring you to some other conversation with Jesus today or throughout the day or tomorrow or into this week. But Jesus, am I currently walking in a spiritful grace of denying myself, of surrender? Take a moment and pray that. take a moment and ask the Lord and just say, Lord, help me. Give me a desire to know you more. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for life transformation. Thank you for taking a kid who knew a whole lot of Bible verses but didn't know Jesus. Opening my eyes, restoring my sight to thank you. Is of the kingdom on earth, the kingdom of heaven invading earth. God, thank you. Thank you for my friends in this room. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, a nude sense of even urgency to pursue you with everything, to be lovesick lovers of Jesus, to desire nothing less. Lord, and when the world tries to tame us, when the world tries to tame him and say, well, that's a little crazy, that's a little too overboard, Lord, I pray that our zeal for you would consume us. 
zeal for you, for your ways, for your heart, for your passion, for your love would consume us, Jesus. We would settle for nothing less. God, we thank you. Jesus, I thank you for steadfastly setting your face to Jerusalem for me. You knew what you were about to endure, and you did that for me. And so, Jesus, we likewise, we set our faces toward you. We take up our cross. We deny ourselves, not out of obligation or out of religious duty, but because, Jesus, you're worth following. We've counted the cost, and we know you're worth it a billion times over. A billion times over. We've checked that box to the terms and conditions. And where you go, we will follow in the good times and through the cross. We will follow because you're worth it. Just take a moment and tell him he's worth it. Tell him out loud, he's, Jesus, you're worth it. Just tell him you're worth it, Jesus. So Jesus, as we go from this place, we pray that you would use us in whatever capacity you see fit in our workplaces, in our homes, uh, at the ball diamonds. God, that you would use us. Thank you that we get a co-partner with you, Jesus. That you're the main character. <laughs> we just get a... We just got to come alongside you. What a, what a great privilege. So thank you, Jesus, for this time. Continue to renew our hearts as we contend for the faith. We pray these things in your powerful and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless, and we will see you back next week. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.